Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Happy New Year! For most of us, the new year comes with all kinds of New Year's resolutions. We determine to eat better, exercise more, get our finances in order, and many other worthwhile endeavors. But the greatest New Year's resolution we can practice is spending time with Jesus Christ our Lord by studying and meditating on the Scriptures, the living Word of God. Let's open our Bible now to Psalm 1 and look at the incredible benefits and blessings that come from spending time in the Scriptures and obeying the Scriptures in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's a Monday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all are loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Man, it's a, it's a good morning. Had a big cowboy win yesterday. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My, my, my wonderful, amazing, stupendous son-in-law, Nathan, bought me this shirt. And uh, I, uh, I'm really excited. So I've been a Cowboy fan since I was, I think, seven years old, right? And I'm almost 52 now. And so uh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm thankful again for, uh, for this nice shirt. I'm excited about it, but most excited about just opening the Word of God this morning. We're going to, Lord willing, finish up Psalm 1. We did a lot of background and we did, uh, we got through, I think, verses one and two to some extent. And so we'll, we'll just walk through these six verses today and uh, just see what the Lord has for us. So, Father, we do thank you for your, this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for your love. But, Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and God and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for for your word. We thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect life for us, dying a perfect death for us. We thank you that you are alive and risen, Lord. We thank you that you are the Lord of heaven and earth and that we are your servants, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you that we are your sons and daughters. Holy Spirit, we love you. We bless you. We honor you and praise you. We ask you to give us eyes that see now and ears that hear as we study your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, hopefully you all have had a wonderful Christmas season and uh, just having a good new year so far and just rocking on in Jesus. So, all right, Psalm 1. Um, the, the book of Psalms in the middle of your Bible is the longest book in the Bible. It, uh, you know, it's just a, uh, a, a remarkable book. It, uh, it boasts a heavy and weighty 150 chapters. Um, and uh, it's just, it's just so full. It is literally pregnant with meaning and substance and revelation um, like all the word of God, it, it, it's incredible. And so, um, it opens up in Psalm one. We're not told who the author of this Psalm is. Many postulate David, although it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not credited to him. Um, and, and again, the revelation 
in it is is immense and, and really it balances it, it it's 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 a difference between um how God the Father blesses, disciplines, or judges the righteous and the wicked. And last time we talked about the difference between the righteous and the wicked. Um, when the Bible speaks about the righteous, it's it's someone who has first of all received Jesus Christ as their only Lord and Savior. They are genuinely trusting and relying on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. And they also have a lifestyle of moment by moment, day by day, thinking and speaking and doing what is morally right. They actually have a lifestyle, a daily lifestyle of, of, of doing what's right. Um, they're not perfect, but they also have a lifestyle of, of repenting and and asking forgiveness and being convicted of their sin when they make mistakes. And so that's what this Psalm means when it's referring to the righteous. Now, the other side of the coin is what it calls the wicked or the other versions called the ungodly. These are people who may speak the name of Jesus in name only, but they really have no heart for Jesus. They have no lifestyle for Jesus. Um, they may believe that they believe in Jesus, but it's it's just a uh, an intellectual assent. They don't have a deep, abiding, trusting, relying faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and additionally, they don't have a lifestyle of righteousness. They don't have a lifestyle of moment by moment, day by day, not perfectly by any means. None of us are perfect. But as a lifestyle, they just want to think about what's right so they can do what's right simply because it's right. Right, Lauren? And since they don't have this, um, they have a very worldly lifestyle. The norm of their day-to-day -day life is just doing what they want to do, not with what the Bible says. They don't really spend any time in the Bible, and they just uh, they live how they want to live, what they want to do, um, just having no care for what the Scriptures say having no care for what is the heart of Jesus Christ or the will of Jesus Christ throughout their lives. And so this psalm is going to address um, the outcome of the two lives. Again, it's six verses and they're just, uh, they're just overwhelming. So Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Wow. Verse 4, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So we can see really in verse six, the in the final verse here, we can see the heart of the psalmist who wrote the psalm is again the difference between the righteous and the wicked. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked or the ungodly will perish. So um, and as we said, that's the, the whole psalm is contrasting the different outcome of the different lifestyles and beliefs of the righteous and the wicked. So verse 1, 
Blessed is the man. And that means man or woman. Blessed is the human, human, um, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. So the scriptures, the Bible, God has given his word that there is a blessing. If you and I will refrain and not walk in the counsel of the wicked. What does that mean? It means that we do not receive or entertain or certainly live out the counsel of those who, who are, have no heart for Christ, no desire for Christ, or no desire to give counsel according to the word of God. Uh, there is a blessing when we will not entertain the counsel or any counsel that's not biblical counsel, that's not proper, righteous, biblical, Christ-centered counsel. Oftentimes, you know, uh, people can be Christians and the church is filled with people who are Christians or claim to be Christians and yet will consistently give counsel that's ungodly, that's unbiblical, that's clearly not in line with the word of God. And they have a lifestyle of doing this because, again, none of us are perfect in how we speak. None of us are perfect in our counsel, but the closer we grow to Jesus Christ, the more mature we are in Christ, the more we will give counsel based on the word of God and the heart of God. And, and it, it ought to be our desire to only give counsel in that way, but it also ought to be our desire to only receive and entertain counsel in that way. So there is a blessing for the man or woman, for blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Father, we ask you to help us that we would not, not walk out or even entertain ungodly counsel. Holy Spirit, we ask you to, to lead us and guide us that we would this year begin to increasingly more and more only give, right, May? Counsel from the scriptures, counsel from the word of God, counsel that comes clearly just out of the, the heart of our triune God that we would not give counsel, nor would we entertain counsel in our own conscience and our own thoughts or from others that's not in the heart of our Heavenly Father or in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ or in God the Holy Spirit, right? For blessed is the, the man or woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Uh, I mean, do you want that blessing? Then let's start refraining from walking in the counsel of the wicked. And this would obviously be something that someone who's in the camp of the righteous would want to do and would try to do. Now, you notice there's a progression. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners. You see, there's a progression, the sin, right? You know, in the beginning, we just may, may walk along, right? And we might hear something and we just might listen to it as we're walking along and we might entertain it. Or maybe it's on TV or we're watching a news show or we're just watching something and we're just listening to it. But, you know, we're not engrossed in it, but we are walking by and it does have our ear. We are giving it our ear and we know it's ungodly and we listen anyway. Right. We listen to ungodly counsel again, whether it be people, whether it be again from that we hear on TV or we read and on the Internet or from wherever we get it, right? But it's just kind of a thing we're walking by, we're really not hanging around. But look at now it goes on to say, they won't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand 
You see, because the more you start walking along in it, Jason, pretty soon we'll start standing in it, right? Now you're not just walking by anymore and just kind of having it tickle your ears. Now you're standing in it. You're standing in ungodly counsel, right? And then now it's, this is not just, in, this doesn't just apply to only, you know, counsel. This applies to all things, right? Where we can walk, stand, and sit in different comfort levels with sin, right? There's a blessing for the man or woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. But then after we keep walking by and entertain it pretty soon or stand in the way of sinners, right? Now you're comfortable and you're standing in it, right? And you're full-blown listening to it. And now the last part of the verse, or sit in the seat of mockers. Again, mockers are just people who are using their mouth, speaking ungodly counsel, right? Just speaking ungodly things. Now you're sitting in it. Now you're comfortable in it. Now you're just all up in it, Kristen, okay? So if you have a lifestyle of doing these things, and just to be as clear as possible, the vast majority of people in the church do have this lifestyle, okay? When we look inside of ourselves, okay, we can clearly see, all right, if we practice introspection, I can see some of it in myself, I ask you to forgive me, Lord. Um, and most of the church, you know, has this, uh, uh, it's almost unrestrained, okay? And, and, and people are, are often saved, right? They've received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But this verse one is something that's uh, is something we very rarely pay attention to. And so being a new year, this would be something that would be really, really good for us all to really start to lock down here, Anthony, right? Matthew, this would be something for us all to start to really try to, to lock down, um, you know, how we use our words, how we speak, the counsel we give, um, and just the manner that we deal with, with ungodly behavior. Again, we walk in it, then we're, we're more comfortable, we start standing there, and then pretty soon we're just sitting down and we're no different than, than, than a worldly person who has, has no profession of Christ or desire for Christ. But in order to do this, we're going to have to turn from this behavior and start living in verse 2. Because okay? the only way, this is not a, uh, a religious thing where we're just going to try to stop doing something. In order to stop ungodly behavior, you have to put more of Jesus in you. And the primary way you do that is by putting the word of Christ in you, the Bible, the living word of God, right? You remember Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass away. We'll get a new heaven and a new earth, but my words will never pass away. These scriptures, this Bible, Ethan, is the living word of God, right? Immense care has been put in over the centuries, 1,500 years or so, to preserving this word of God. Tens of thousands of people, we don't know how many, could be hundreds of thousands of, of people and effort has been in put in in preserving these scriptures led by the Holy Spirit to keep the Bible preserved in the way that we have it now. And the way that we're going to live a less ungodly lifestyle in any way beginning with our words, 
is verse two. This, this man or woman doesn't do these things, but verse two, but his delight is in Netflix. Oh, that's not what it says. Hold up, hold on. Let, let me read that. But his delight, Nathan, is an Instagram. That's not what it says, Peyton. God, what does it say? Hold on. But his delight is in Snapchat. But his delight is in Toctic. No, that's not what it says. It says his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the word of God. He delights in the scriptures. You want to find a man or woman that's blessed today? You find one that just delights in the word of God more than they do all the aforementioned things, right? And listen, I'm not saying I got my own. I mean, I love my boys. I do, right? Huge win yesterday. Um, just, I mean, the game was over in, in, in halfway through the first quarter. I mean, I was delighting in that. I told my wife, May, I mean, I was so happy. So I got my own. Don't get me wrong. But. We need to get to a point where we delight in the word of God more than we do all the things that entertain us, Tom. All the little apps on our phone where we could just, you know, we could destroy three, four hours a day. You know, it's, uh, you know, our, our, our games, our hobbies, our exercise, all these things are fine again. But the fact is that when we give our entire lives to them, and we delight in everything but the word of God, then we really don't have the blessing that Psalm 1 is promising. Because this man or woman not only does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners or sit in the seat of knockers, but their delight is in the word of God. They delight in the scriptures. Golly, they delight in the word of God and the law of the Lord. And look at this. And on his law, on their Bible, on his law, he meditates day and night. Reading the scriptures is of immense value, but studying and chewing on the scriptures, Jose, is even more, right? Just really chewing on these scriptures and feeding on them. Golly. This person stays out of the counsel of the wicked. He's not walking, standing, sitting. And again, it's a process to walk away from these things because even as Christians, we still have a, a nature of sin that, uh, that pulls on us, right? We have to battle it. And the way you do that is by spending more time in your Bible, Chloe. I mean, you've got to spend more time in these scriptures. We have just, I mean, there's just nothing better than this, Corinne. Uncle Dennis, get in that Bible. Open that Bible. Let's, you know, most of us, we got to dust it off. <laughs> dust it off there, Scott, right? Get, get it all the dust off of there, Ed. And let's just get in there studying the scriptures. Let's get to where we just delight, where we're excited. Where we, I remember I first became a Christian. It was around 24 years ago. I slept with my Bible like a teddy bear, like this. You know what I mean? It was just, it was just so amazing, right? Thank you, Jesus, right? Now on my phone, when I go to bed, I, I'm listening to books. But we need to delight in the word of God, y'all. There is nothing in our lives more, more beneficial than spending time in the scriptures the primary way we spend time with Jesus is by spending time in his word and feeding in his word. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said that men and women don't live on bread alone, physical food alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need to be 
in the scriptures. It's a new year. You need to make a, a resolution, but a biblical one. You want to go to the Lord. We're not making vows here. We're going to let our yes be yes and no, no, but say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to help me. Holy Spirit, help me whether I feel like it or not to get in my Bible because blessed is the man whose delight is in the word of God, is in the law of the Lord, is in the scriptures. We need to start meditating on these scriptures more. Verse three, look at the result of this. Is this how you want your life to be? I would be very happy if all of my life from this moment forward could be verse three of Psalm one. Is this what you want, Leah? So you're standing you're not walking in the council or standing in the way of sinners or sitting in the seat of mockers. You're delighting. You're increasingly spending time in the scriptures, studying your Bible, meditating on it, listening to good Bible-based teachings, doing all this, right? Verse three, look at the result of this person. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Just picture like a big old oak tree, right? And it's just solid and it goes up whatever, 50 feet in the air and it's got a good whatever, you know, big old trunk around there. You can't even get your arms around it. The trunk is so big and it's just got, it's always got water flowing over it. What does that mean? It's always refreshed. It's always fed. It's always got the nutrients from the ground, right? It's always alive, right? He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Don't y'all want to be like that? Don't you want to be a little more like a tree planted by streams of water, a little more refreshed, a little more excited, Esther, just a little more just zealous for, the, for Jesus and the kingdom of God? Golly, Chris, he's like a tree planted by streams of water. Veronica, it, it says it, which yields its fruit in season. It yields its fruit in season, which yields its fruit in season. If you'll walk in this way, as the Bible calls the righteous, and you'll be in the, the word of God, spending time in the scriptures, again, meditating on the scriptures, studying the scriptures, listening to the scriptures being taught, okay? You'll not only be planted by streams of, of water, the water or the word of God, you'll just be refreshed and blessed but it says you'll yield, which yields its fruit in season. You'll be fruitful. In John 15, Jesus said, I, I you know, you know, that, that I called you to bear fruit. The reason you exist in the kingdom of God is not just, just to go to heaven. Okay. We don't exist. God is not just looking to populate heaven. Of course, first Timothy two says he wants all people to be saved. He wants everyone to come to genuine saving faith in Christ. And if you're not sure that, that you have Jesus Christ living in you, then the way to know Christ is to simply, simply humble yourself under the scriptures. The way to know Christ is just to agree with the word of God, first of all, that you are a sinful man or woman. You, you really cannot understand the good news of the gospel until you understand the bad news of sin. And the Bible says that all human beings are sinful and fall short of God's standard in Romans 3.23. All of us, right? It says we're separated from God, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, because of our sin, and we are headed to hell. We're, head, we're headed for an eternity 
out of the presence of God, separated from God, and of, of just, of torment. It's the most awful, possible, conceivable truth. It is true that that's where we will be, regrettably, in hell, if we do not have the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul in and through Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. It's not Jesus and all the things I do. It's not I believe in Jesus and I'm trusting in myself and my own good works. And it's certainly not anything else, right? It's not Jesus. It's not Hinduism. It's not Buddhism. It's not Islam. It's, it's only Jesus Christ because only in Jesus Christ can we have our sins forgiven. It's only Jesus that, 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 that God, the Son, Jesus, became a human man on behalf of all humanity, right? Past, present, and future. Lived a perfect, righteous, sinless life on our behalf. Died a perfect, righteous, sinless death on our behalf, right? And then was raised from the dead, okay? When Christ died on the cross, and it was only the, the perfect God-man that died on the cross, it's only in Jesus and trusting in Jesus that our sins are taken away, that our sins are completely forgiven. When you humble yourself before the scriptures, humble yourself before Jesus and acknowledge that you are a sinful man or woman. And from that place of desperation, knowing you're hopeless and helpless without Jesus, you cry out to him. The scriptures say that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 13. It's not words that save us. It's Christ that saves us. But it's when, it's when out of a genuine heart we acknowledge our need for Jesus and agree with the Bible that we are sinful and hopeless and run to him, Right? And call on him and ask him to be the Lord of your life and save you from your sin and bring you to heaven when you die. And you proclaim and place your full trust and confidence in Jesus Christ alone. At that time, all of your sin, past, present, and future, is taken by the perfect God-man Christ at the cross. All of your sin is credited to Christ at the cross, past, present, and future. And the perfect righteous life that Jesus lived is credited to you. Is that not the most incredible swap you've ever heard of? That exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel. And that is why it's only in Jesus that our sins can be forgiven and we can go to heaven. Because no one else in history lived a perfect life. Every other human being was sinful. Right? It's only the God man. It's only when our God became a man in Jesus and took on human flesh, the most incredible love story ever told. All of this is what needed to be done for the forgiveness of our sins. And so we're not being unkind. We're being as loving as is humanly possible when we tell people that it's only in Jesus Christ that your sins can be forgiven, that you can come into relationship with the triune God, and that you can ultimately go to heaven when you die. Because all the other religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Confucianism, agnosticism, atheism, there is no savior. And we need a savior. Okay? So, 
in Jesus Christ, right? And again, if you haven't received him, then go back and ask him into your heart from that position that we just spoke about. And that's how you become a Christian. But, but it says you'll yield your fruit in season. Jesus said, I called you to bear fruit, fruit that'll last, as we said. Uh, that's why we exist, John 15. Um, and sometimes in the Christian life, bearing fruit is, uh, sometimes it seems like we can go, go a while and not see a lot of fruit. But the scripture promises that if you have this lifestyle, if you're in Jesus Christ and you're spending time in his word, you are looking to refrain from walking in worldly ways and standing and sitting in just sinful and ungodly ways in our words and in our deeds and in our thoughts, right? If we're making this our lifestyle and this is our delight, then we will be like a tree planted by streams of water and we will yield our fruit in season. Again, sometimes there can be dryness in the Christian life. But if we'll keep plugging, we will bear fruit unto Christ. We'll yield our fruit in season. Don't you want to do that? And it says, whose leaf does not wither. What's a withering leaf look like? Right? You'll spend time in the scriptures and feeding on the scriptures, May, and studying your Bible. Your leaf won't wither. You won't be all dried up, blown here and there. Right? What's a withered leaf look like? It's just dead. It's useless. Just gets blowed off the lawn. Right? Just gets raked up into the pile, right? Matter of fact, gets raked up into big piles and little kids go diving into it because that's all it's good for, right? Withered leaf is good for nothing, right? Except for a kid to dive on it and smash it, right? Or an adult, I guess, right? But your leaf won't wither. It'll be green and full and pulsating. And you never look at a leaf. It's got those, almost looks like it's got little branches in it, right? When you really look at a leaf, you ever taken a leaf apart, you know, like a green full leaf? It's, I don't know what I'm thinking of that, but you know, you know, a leaf has like these veins going through it, right? They almost seem like little branches. You know, I'm not a forestry man or nothing, but I've just, you know, played with a leaf. But anyway, the leaf won't wither. Sometimes, man, if you're looking and you're just, you're just withering, we can be tired, we can be worn out. And certainly this happens to us as Christians and disciples, even, even as mature Christians, we, we can, you know, we can be withering. You want to get back to the word of God. You want to get back to the scriptures and meditating on them and studying them. And of course, obeying them above all and repenting where we fall short. The end of verse three. And again, this is the last part of the righteous. Whatever he does prospers. Look at that in verse three, Corinth. Whatever he does prospers. And again, it prospers from a kingdom perspective. It doesn't mean you're going to get a $5 million house or the best car, right? Or anything like that. Um, there's nothing wrong with houses and cars, but that ought not be our focus, right? Um, and, and there is excess, right? We don't really need 10 cars. We don't need 20 houses, five houses, right? So that's a whole other teaching, right? Because there is an excess of what the Lord would have us to have for ourselves, Right? Um, and, and, and being a blessing to others, but that's a whole other teaching. But it says here, whatever he does prospers. What I'm saying, it's not necessarily speaking only about physical prosperity, but it does include that. Um, and again, it's a separate teaching. We'll go into what physical prosperity should and should not look like. Um, but whatever he does prospers. Okay. Everything he does is blessed. The hand of the Lord is with everything 
that a person that has this lifestyle. And when the hand of Jesus is with you and is on you, everything you'll do will prosper. Right, Melanie? Physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, and relationally. Now, we're going to cross over here in verses 4, 5, and 6, and it's, it's very hard, right? Because the first three verses are about how things turn out for someone who's what the Bible calls righteous, someone who's received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, received the imputed righteousness of Christ, and is now making a concerted effort to live and think and speak in a righteous way. This is the outcome of how they'll live. But now the other side of that is the wicked or the ungodly. Verse 4, not so the wicked. This cannot be. If you're not in Jesus Christ today, and then in Jesus Christ, if you believe you're in Jesus Christ, and you're not living a lifestyle, not perfect, but you don't have a lifestyle where you are trying to increasingly live for Jesus Christ, this will not be the outcome of your life or mine. The Bible calls that wickedness or ungodliness. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. What's chaff? I had to look this up when I was studying it. And again, I... I, I I'm still not an expert by this mean. I'm not a, you know, a, a farmer or, you know, about, you know, we, we know some farmers, but apparently chaff on that, that on the outside, there's like a film or a covering on the outside of the, of the wheat that has to be shucked off. Right. And it's a very thin, I don't know just how to describe it. Kind of like a, a milky kind of skin on top of the wheat. And that has to be plucked off. And in a story I read, apparently you could just take a bunch of wheat at a certain time when it's dry and just hold it up, and a strong wind would just blow that chaff right off the wheat because that chaff has to be taken off before the wheat can be used, right? And so that's what the Bible calls someone who is not living a lifestyle in verses 1 through 3. And as I said last time, you notice there's no middle ground here. As Christians, and certainly as people in the world, we like to live in the gray, right? The Bible is very black and white, okay? It's very clear. There's only two groups of people here. So if you don't have a lifestyle of living this way, then, 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 you, you, then you start the new year and you repent. And you say, Lord Jesus, I do want to begin to live in this way more and more and more, Lord. And I ask you to forgive me, Lord. I do want to start living a lifestyle more and more of being in the word of God, Lord, and refraining from, from walking or standing or sitting and, and just around ungodly people, ungodly counsel, people speaking ungodly things, doing ungodly things. I want to delight in your word, Lord. I want to meditate in your word. I want to obey your word. We just repent. The greatest tool in our toolbox is repentance, right? And repentance is just simply going before the Lord, lowering your head, right, Paul, and just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Father, I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. And I, and I genuinely do ask you to help me, Lord. And I do have it in my heart to make an effort, to make a concerted effort, to be better, right? That's what repentance is. And you mean it as best you can, right? Confession is when you're just agreeing with the Lord, right? You're agreeing with the triune God. Just about whatever you're saying, right? You can be confessing good things or confessing things that are out of place, like we're talking about here. 
Because verse 4 says, not so the wicked. Again, the wicked are all people that are not in the group of the righteous. Those that have not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and who are not making some kind of effort. Again, we're all at different places, right? We're all at different maturity levels in our walk with Christ. I certainly have a long way to go in my life. Um, but if you're, if you're in Christ today and you're genuinely trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, um, you, you are amongst the righteous. But to the extent that you live that out, will you experience this blessing? It, it, it is utterly cause and effect. Your salvation has nothing to do with you. Being saved from your sin and going to heaven when you die has nothing to do with us. It comes only from genuinely trusting and relying on Jesus Christ and clinging to Jesus for the salvation of our soul and the forgiveness of our sins. But these blessings come by you applying yourself to Jesus and to his word and to abstaining from from worldliness and worldly counsel. Not so the wicked, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. That little scummy film off the, the wheat just blows it away, right? It's not a very complimentary speech about those who are not in Christ, but that's what happens. If we're not rooted in Jesus Christ, we're just blown here and there like a withered leaf, like chaff. Only in Christ do we have a solid foundation and again, we can just go on and on. This is amazing. Psalm 1 could be a 10-hour teaching. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. It's only in Christ that we have a firm foundation. Verse 5, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Again, sinners, righteous. The wicked will not stand in the judgment. The Bible says there's going to be two judgments. 2 Corinthians 5 teaches us there's a judgment seat of Christ. All believers, Wendy, will go before this judgment seat. If you are a genuine believer in Jesus, you'll stand before Jesus, and you'll be judged for how you lived your life in Christ, right? This will have nothing to do with getting to heaven. This, you know, your sin has already been paid for by Christ. This is not a judgment for your sin. Jesus was judged for your sin. This is a judgment for your reward in heaven, and based on how you lived your life in Christ, the fruit you bore for Christ, you'll receive your reward in heaven. Your position in heaven, how you experience heaven, will be determined at this judgment. Okay, Not going to heaven, but your reward in heaven will be on this judgment. The wicked will not stand at this judgment. Only those who have genuinely received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will be at this judgment. Okay? Now, the reward that they get will be dependent on how they live their lives for Christ. But they're standing at this judgment seat of Christ because they had genuinely received and trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and him alone. But those who have not cannot stand here, right? Those who have not received Jesus Christ. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. There's a second judgment in Revelation 20, right? Um, I believe it's uh, 11 to 15. Is the great white throne judgment. And that's a judgment for unbelievers. They too will be judged on their, their deeds. The reason they're at this judgment is they had not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's the only reason, right? The only reason you're at the great white throne judgment is you had not genuinely received Jesus Christ and trusted him as your only Lord and Savior. They're called the dead. Regrettably, books will be opened. All of their deeds will be shown, 
and they'll be assigned a level of punishment in hell commensurate with their, their deeds. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. It doesn't mix. <clears throat> Do you know which judgment you're going to be standing at today? Do you know that if you went home today, you'd be going before Jesus to be judged for a reward? Or would you be going before him for your judgment, for your punishment in hell? And the only question is whether or not you're a genuine Christian trusting and relying on Jesus Christ today. If you're not sure, go back, rewind the tape to where we talked about it. And out of that place, you call on Jesus. You humble yourself and say, Lord Jesus, I, I know I'm a sinful person. Lord, I know that I'm hopeless and desperate, but I believe that you lived the perfect life for me and died that perfect death for me, Jesus. And I believe that you're alive and risen. And therefore, I ask you right now, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin, to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I'm placing all my faith and trust and hope and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Again, you can use these words. It's not the words or my passion. None of that, none of that, none of that what saves you. It's the genuineness of your heart and running to the cross. And then you just, obviously we use words to communicate and pray and talk to God, right? Verse six, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. If you're in Jesus Christ today, and the more that you're living for him and spending time in his word and abstaining from the things of the world, the Lord is watching over you. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. That's what it says. But the way of the wicked will perish. Doesn't say might perish, doesn't say could perish. If you're not in Jesus Christ today, the scripture says you will perish and regrettably spend eternity in hell. I'm sorry, I hate it. I wish it wasn't so. We don't make the rules, right? Heaven's not a democracy. We have the word of God. And it's an incredible word, a loving word, an exhorting word, right? It's a pure word. It's a clean word. It's his perfect word. And God himself in Jesus Christ gave his life so that no one will perish. 2 Peter 3.9 says that it is God's will that no human being perish. 1 Timothy 2.4 says it's his will that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Give your life to Jesus Christ today and make this a year where you're going to live for him and love for him and give for him and forgive for him. Make this a year where you're going to spend time in the word of God and nourish yourself in the word of God and give yourself to it. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this wonderful psalm. Thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness and love on our lives. Above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and, and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for all your mercy and goodness on our lives. We love you and we bless you. We do thank you, Lord, that, that, that we actually are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord for the righteousness, the perfect righteous life you credited us when we believed in you in exchange for all our horrible sin. We just worship you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we go forward. Just convict these things to our hearts. 
giving us eyes that see Jesus and ears that hear him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.